love about Easter is it's a time where the gospel is just spoken about. It's a time where, you know, the shops are open and everyone is open to hear the good news. Anyone ever thought about that? Is that you've got the Easter eggs, you've got those things coming into play, but then also you have every single church opening their doors with some sort of Easter message. If you look through society, most people come to church at Christmas and Easter. Have you ever thought about that? Is that sometimes you, you come to an Easter service and you're like, wow, Good Friday, that was full. Where did all these people come from? It's like this mechanism, this homing device is that, oh, Christmas is here. They find themselves in church. Anyone ever notice that? It's like all the Christians go on holidays and all the non-believers to say, well, it's Easter, we better go to church. Is that just my perspective? Is anyone else, anyone on holidays at that time, camping? Like, it's just one of those times, and I, I find it's a great opportunity where we can preach the gospel. And so leading up to that, we're going to be talking about the gospel. And, and I love speaking about the gospel because it is a, a gospel of grace. It is a gospel of mercy. It is a, a gospel of compassion. It, it's a gospel that, that is spoken, that brings hope, that it brings life. And this morning, I just want to talk quickly. I just want to share a little bit. And as I was going through this, I sent my points off last night. And I said, wow, how many scriptures have I got this morning? You know, last week, it was an amazing message with Carolina in the garden. And she's absolutely amazing. You know, it was phenomenal. And she had 32 slides. I think I've got three scriptures for you this morning. So I've put a lot of effort in that. <laughs> but as I was thinking about this, as I was coming into, into this, I was thinking we would start off in Matthew 9.35. Has anyone got their Bibles? Or you can look on the screen. It said, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord, pray to the Lord, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest. I find it funny, sometimes as a church, we, we always pray for the harvest. But Jesus in this scripture, he's saying, hey, how about we pray for the laborers? Pray for those that will go out. Pray for those that will share the good news. Pray for those that will disciple. Pray that they will come along and join arms and see the harvest come in. Who knows that when a farmer goes out, is that he goes out into the field to harvest. He, he takes laborers, he goes out, he, he goes and gathers and brings them back. Who knows if you don't have the laborer or the farmer, you don't eat. I think some people are trying to work that out nowadays. Is that the farmers, they're, they're struggling really, you know, they're struggling and it's like if we don't have the farmers, we actually don't eat. And, and so here God, Jesus is saying, you know, Pray for the laborers. Pray that those will come in, those that will see what he sees. 
If we go back to 35, it says, and Jesus, uh, if we go back, yep, to 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. I want to focus on that scripture this morning. Is that as laborers, we actually need to see the harvest. If we look at that scripture, it says, he saw the multitudes. Who knows, you can go into a room. I've got kids. And Layla especially, she'll go into a room and I'll ask her, can you go and get this? And who knows that when you send kids into the room, sometimes they just, they can't see. It's like they've got sight, but they actually can't see what you're asking for. Hey, Layla, could you go and get your iPad? 20 minutes later, she comes down. Have you got your iPad? I couldn't see it, Dad. Um, it's on your desk. No, it's not. It's not there. No, no. Who's ever had that conversation with someone? Maybe it's your wife. <laughs> Let's not go there. But it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I hung it up. I hung the keys up. They are sitting there. The key, the key is, no, it's not. Have a look for yourself. You go into that room and you're like, Layla, what is this? Oh, Dad. <laughs> I love that statement. Every time it's between her and me, it's like, oh, Dad. <laughs> I just didn't see it. But, but those things, they, they, you know, sometimes, who knows? Uh, so your perspective can be different to someone else's. It's like that statement, you, you can't see the trees because of the forest. It's like you, you look at the multitudes, but you, you, you can't see the individuals. It's like walking into it. Like for me, every time I take my glasses off, I can't see anything. It is a fact. At the beach, mum's in the water. You know, the kids point me in the direction, and that's where I go. Like, it, I'm doing my hair. You know, I'm like this in the mirror trying to work out, is it right? And then I turn to Caroline, is it all right? Yeah, it's fine. You know, sometimes it's... Some of us, we can see, but we can't see. And I love how Jesus, every time he sort of steps out and he could see the multitudes. He, he saw the lost. He, he saw the hurting. And so my question today to us is, do you have eyes to see the spiritual needs around your life? Do you have eyes to see those? Do you have eyes to see the lost? Do you have eyes to see as God sees? I remember hunting one day. And because I was a teenager, I was cool. I was cool. I was a country boy. And we decided to go hunting and, and so we had one gun and a knife between us. And I had my dog, Conan. Conan was a rock wheeler with a tail. And I remember going hunting for pigs. And you know, pigs, small ones are nice, big ones are not quite. And I remember, because I was cool, I never wore my glasses anywhere. And, and so, like, my dog's off, and he's running and whatnot. He's black, and, 
calling him and hey, and my mate's off and he's got the gun, he's ahead of us and I've got an eye. And I remember I was like, wow, where's my dog? I remember calling my dog, hip hop, here, 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 come on Conan, here, where are you? And he, this, I thought it was him, it was running towards me through the bush, scrub. You know what, without glasses, I think I recognised from, from here to there that it wasn't my dog. I probably had to change my pants afterwards, but I tell you what, I've never run so fast in my life. I was packing it. I am running, and I, I ran past my mate because he was over there, and I was running like a little girl. Help! You know. But sometimes we, if I put my glasses on, I would have known a lot more. I would have run a lot earlier. I would have been able to find a tree. But sometimes we're like that with the things of God. As we actually can't see what he has. We, we step out and we can't see the harvest. We, we can't see the things that are in front of us. Jesus. I, I love how that he... There are statements in the Bible that he was moved with compassion. Notice he was never moved with pity. He was moved with compassion. No matter what circumstance was going on in his life at that moment, at that point in time, he was always moved with compassion. I remember the scripture where he finds out about John the Baptist being beheaded by Herod. And it says he pushed out in a boat in a time, and he had a time of solitary. But then when he came back to land, he stepped off the boat, and he was moved with compassion as he saw the multitudes. I don't know about you, but sometimes when a tragedy happens in my life, I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to know anyone. I don't really have compassion for anyone else. But Jesus somehow had compassion. He saw the lost. He saw the hurting. And he was like, you know what? It's not about me. It's actually about. Didn't mean he didn't care for himself. He was filled with compassion. I think most of us are too busy with life to see what's around us. For some of us, we get too busy in our own little world to actually see what God has for us. For some of us, we, we get so busy in our own little world that we actually don't see the blessing God has around our life. We're always looking at the next thing. We're always distracted by the next thing that we don't stop and look and see the blessing around our life. For me, I go home and I sit on my couch and I realize, God, I thank you, I am so blessed. And I'm not talking about just materialistic things. I'm talking about relational things. Is that I have a wife. Is that I have my kids. Is that we are a family unit, that we can share things together, that we can talk together, we can play, we can... I, I have, you know, extended family. Some of them, yeah, they're all right. The father-in-law, he's pretty good. But, but the, you know, 
Sometimes, but sometimes we get distracted and we don't realize how good life is. You know, something bad goes down at work and we think our whole life is... But how about you step through the door of your home and realize how blessed you are? It's having eyes to see. It takes discernment to see the spiritual needs. Spiritual needs are only sensed by those who are spiritual. Those that lock themselves away, those that aren't distracted enough to not spend time with God. You know, his heart aches for humanity. What does your heart ache for? His heart aches to spend time with us. What does your heart ache for? If we are to see the things that God sees, then we need the eyes to see what he sees. Jesus saw a helpless world, one crisis crisis after another. But he knew the solution. He knew the solution. Do you have eyes to see? Don't let this world distract you from having eyes to see. Does your heart ache? He saw a shepherdless world, no sense of direction, no weapon, no no offense, no defense. He saw a lost world, he saw a hurting world. Jesus looked out. We need to see the world for what it really is. Lost. If we're not careful, we become numb to this. And when I mean we need to see the world for what it really is lost, what I mean by lost is out of relationship with God. Out of relationship with God. Is that Jesus was moved with compassion because they had no relationship with their God. They had no relationship with their Heavenly Father. And I believe this is that if we start to see the world as that, then we'll have the compassion, mercy and grace that Jesus had. If we start to see them as sinners, as we start to see them, is then what we're doing is we're judging them out of righteousness. Is that we've just elevated ourselves. And I believe God has called us to see the world with compassion. If we're going to reach the world, we need to reach them with compassion, not condemnation. And unfortunately, there are too many Christians that will, will sit back and they'll be like, well, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. Of course it's not right. They're lost. They don't know any different. They don't know any different. It takes them coming to a revelation of who God is. And the only way they know who God is is if we take God to them. As if we show them ourselves. We, we come to them with grace, with mercy, with compassion. If we come to them with rules and regulations, there will be no transformation. Well, it's getting heavy in here. 
Yeah, but Sam, they're doing this. Yes, they are. They know no different. They're lost. They just need a revelation of who God is. It said Jesus had compassion. What did he do? He preached the gospel. He preached the kingdom. He showed them the kingdom of God is here. He loved upon them. He healed the sick. Eyes that look are common. Eyes that see are rare. Eyes that see are rare. Our prayer should be this, is God, let me see what you see. God, let me see what you see. Lord God, let me see the gold in their life. Yeah, but they're far away from God. They're doing this, they're doing that. God, how could you even save them? But God, let me see as you see. Let me see the value in them. Let me see the value in the individual. He saw the value in you. He saw the value in me. He reached out with compassion. The second thing is, is we need a heart to feel. We need a heart to feel. Compassion, like I said, is more than pity. Compassion, I believe, draws us to a response. If the world can numb our compassion we will cease to respond to the need in the world. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes we get bombarded with images over and over and over again. I, in the media, we get bombarded with images, you know, of, of starving kids in Ethiopia, of things that are happening in Africa. We, we get bombarded. And then all of a sudden, when those things start to come up again, you start to become numb. Has anyone ever noticed that? is that now you can walk past and you see a certain image and you become numb to that image. And I pray this, is that we never become numb to the things of God. Is that we never become numb to the call of God. Is that we never become numb to being ones that would share the gospel with those around us. The good news, the hope, the life of who Christ is. Compassion. We have grown emotionally superficial in this day and age. Unfortunately, this world has grown emotionally superficial. And it's spilled over into the spiritual life. If we are not careful, if we become emotionally superficial, it will spill over into our spiritual walk. Is that we can grow emotionally, we can grow superficially if we're not careful with our walk with God. Is that we become numb to the things of God? Is that we become numb to the presence of God? Is we become numb to the Word of God? If, if we don't draw ourselves away from the distractions that keep us distraction distracted and just long after God's heart. We need to be on high alert when it comes to the things we let filter over our life. We need to come to high alert to those things, those images, those, those 
the programs that we watch, the, the things, the media reports, the public. We, we need to watch those things. When was the last time you just locked yourself away without your phone, without your laptop, without any sort of media, just you, God, and your Bible. And say, God, just you and me. Give me a heart after yours. Last week, I, I love Carolina's preach. Is that she's talking about cultivating the garden. Is right there, if you weren't here, get, get that preach. It's up online. It, it talks about drawing away, attending to your garden. And in your garden, that's where you and God are. The relationship is strong. And, and through that relationship, you'll be able to outwork. Jesus, he was moved with compassion. His heart was always full of compassion. In John 11.35, the shortest verse of the Bible. The shortest verse. So, you know, if you want to memorize a verse, this is the one. If you struggle, this is it. Jesus wept. Jesus was always full of compassion. And, and for some of us, is the story behind this is, is Lazarus has just died. Lazarus has just died. He's been buried. And someone thought, you know, let's go and tell Jesus and, and let's get Jesus to come and, you know, pray with him and then he won't die. But let's get him to pray and bring him, whatever it is. And they came and they, they ran to him and, and they told him, listen, don't go. He's dead. And some people looked at it and thought, wow, he's weeping. How much did he love Lazarus? And a lot of people preach on that. You know, he, he, yeah. I believe this. He was weeping because of the unbelief that was around at that time. Is that, yes, he loved Lazarus, but I believe he wept because of the unbelief. I believe he wept out of compassion for those with no faith, for those that were lost or that, that didn't believe. He had compassion. He was like, come on, there is more for you. Come on, there is more than that. Come on, you know, just believe, just have faith, and let's see what God can do. When Jesus was approaching Jerusalem and saw, saw the city as he was approaching, and he was coming into the time of near his death, and as he approached, he started to weep. And as he was weeping, the reason he was weeping at this time, if you want to have a look at it, you can have a look at it later in Luke 19, 41. But as he was there, as he weeped, he was weeping over the city. Because compassion, I believe, fell upon him because he knew what was going to take place. Is that Jesus, he had a heart, he had a compassion for the lost, he had a compassion for humanity. And his compassion was this, is come on, 
You are lost, but all you need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The laborers are few, but the harvest is much. Therefore, pray for the heart for the laborers. We see Jesus come into a place of where he's about to be crucified. And again, I believe that it was a vision, it was compassion, it was vision of you and I that held him to a cross. It was a time where he hung on a cross and he died so that we could have a relationship. So that once and for all, the loss could be connected to a heavenly father. Not through what we could do, but through what he had done. And even at that time, as he was hanging on the cross, and he had two thieves either side of him, there was always room for one more in heaven. There was always that room for one more in heaven. And as he hung there, one thief started to curse him, started to say, you know what, basically joining in with the mob, you know, save us, save all of us. If you're the son of God. And the other guy is like, hey, don't you understand who he really is? And that moment, the thief is there on the cross and he says, Jesus, would you remember me? And Jesus said, from this day forth, you'll be with me in paradise. Up until the very moment, in agony, in torture, he's hanging there. He still has compassion. Eyes to see. Hearts to feel. And I believe if we're going to see a difference come in the northern suburbs, in this nation, we need to be a people with eyes to see and a heart to feel. And a heart to feel. If I could get the guys just to come up and we've got communion here. And I I think sometimes is that we can pass by and have communion and not really understand the gravity of what Christ did for you and I. Is on that cross he hung. So that we could step into eternity with him. As the thief was beside Jesus, I believe the same thing was said for you and I. At that moment. Is that we would be. We would walk. In paradise. If we just believe. 
because of this act. This act, this cup, this bread. And this morning, in this moment, I, I, I want you to think. Is if you read through Corinthians, it says this blessed cup. Is Jesus' ultimate goal was to hang on a cross, die, be buried, and three days rise again. So that you and I could be in eternity with him. And in Corinthians it says this blessed cup, consider it, take hold of it, remember what he's done for you. And so as the guys just start to hand that out, when you get it, what I would love for you to do this morning between you and God is just thank Him. And then when you're ready, You partake and eat. Lord God, we thank you for what you've done. Lord, we thank you that you hung on a cross. That we can take a moment to celebrate what you've done. This cup of blessing. Lord, that you had the compassion, the vision, this foresight to go and meet a need so that lost could be connected with God. And today, Father God, we remember you. We thank you with all our heart. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I believe this. Is it a vision of you and I held Jesus to that cross? Nothing else. Nails never hung him to that, held him on that cross. It was you and I connecting with the Heavenly Father. Do you have the heart of God? Does your heart ache for the things of God? Does your heart ache for the lost of those that are around you? The third thing is this, is that we need a hand. Do you have a hand to perform, to act on 
the compassion that God has or draws you to? Are you able to fulfill the call that God has for your life? I love what Margaret Thatcher said about the Good Samaritan. She said no one would have remembered the Good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had to have money as well. I find this is that when God asks you to do something, when God puts something on your heart, it is always going to cost you personally. Have you ever noticed that? Is that sometimes I think as Christians it's hard to be a Christian because God will always ask something of you. Is that just me? Has anyone else noticed that? Yeah, just five of us. Okay, great. But there's always, it's like, really, God? I don't think so. I'm like, God, have you done the maths on that? I got, um, do you know how many kids I've got, God? Like, come on. I got four kids, and you want me to what? You know, who, who's had those arguments with God? Who, who's uh, spoken with God on those matters? And, and you come into those things, and, and, and I, I think this is that God will always, we, we need to be able to respond to what God puts upon our heart. As our heart aches for what God puts upon us, we need to be able to do what we can do. Is uh, You look at the Good Samaritan, the rabbi, you know, saw the traveler and, you know, just walked past. You know, the, the, the priest and the Levite, you know, they were like, this is a nuisance and sort of stepped over and just kept walking. You know, you had a number of people walk past the Good Samaritan. But who knows that it was only one person, the Good Samaritan, that got down and helped the traveler. It's like the traveler is there and everyone walks past. It's like, this is a bit of a nuisance. This is a bit of an inconvenience. You know what? I haven't got time for this. I haven't got resource for this. I wouldn't look good. I might get my clothes dirty. But however, the Good Samaritan gave of his time, his talent, and his treasure. He he saw wool, scooped down, picked him up, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, paid for the guy. I believe this is that when God puts something upon your heart, when you're moved by compassion for the things of God, it will always require something. It will always require something. And no one was ever known. No, you know, everyone is always known for what they did and what they gave. You never know the person that gave nothing. You never know about the person that did nothing. And I, I believe that if we're going to be known as a church, is it's not by the name City Point, but it's by the individuals within the church. Is that when you walk through a community, it's like, wow, yeah, that Josh Pello, wow. Or that's, and everyone knows Graham. You just go down to D-Bay, everyone knows him. Uncle Graham. The reason is because he gives of his time, his talent, and his treasure for those around. 
I, I love the mission statement of our church, to unmistakably influence our world for good and for God. And some people are like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Too bad. <laughs> too bad. God should be everywhere. God should be this. I'm like, too bad. I, I look at that mission statement, I think it's amazing. To unmistakably do good, I, I love it. Good comes first because who knows? It takes relationship before you can share God in someone's life. People want to know who you are. People want to know about you. And then through that, you share God. Through that, you share the blessing of what God has done in your life. But a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, no, we've just got to share Jesus. We just got to, yeah, that's great if you want to scare people. We are called to help the hurting and the lost. We are called to do good. We are called to influence our world for good and for God. The highest expression of compassion, I believe, is action. And as a church, we do it really well. Uh, I'll be first to say, we do it really well. Uh, what other church has an organization called Red Fox? At the start of the year, they look after 50,000 university students. You know, what other church has a she rescue? What other church has a global care that, you know, we actually sometimes, we don't have to raise money all the time for these needs overseas. Because as a church, we've planned for it. We've budgeted for it. It's in here, and if people want to give extra, that is great. It will always go to wherever you destine your finances to go. But as a church, we are called to do these things. And through these things, we th show the love of Christ. It gives a door to speak into people's lives. James 1, 27, and I'll finish on this. Is pure and undefied religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Unspotted from the world. I love this scripture because I believe as a church we are called to be a safety net. I believe as a church we are called to do good. We are called to look after those that have not. We are called to look after those that are spiritually lost. And if we don't as a church, then I believe we haven't fulfilled the call that God has for each and every one of us personally. Because everywhere Jesus moved and walked, He was filled with compassion. He was filled with compassion for the lost that didn't know who God was. I believe that's the same for us today. Is that we are called to see as he sees. We are called to feel as he feels. We are called to act as he would act. Let me tell you this, God isn't after our sacrifice, he's actually just after our obedience. If you read through the Bible, you'll see it time and time again, 
It was never about sacrifice. It was just about obedience. And let me tell you this, what God calls you to do might be different from the person next to you. The way you are to respond could be different to the person next to you. I believe that. But if we don't obey what God has called us as individuals to do, then I believe we have failed on what God has called us to do. Like, you'll still get to heaven. Don't get me wrong there. It's not about our works. But it's actually just about hearing the voice of God, having a heart for the things of God. Because when we become Christians, you know what? Our relationship is restored with God. But then it's not about us. It's actually about those around us. And today as we close, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to ask this question. I don't know everyone in this building. I don't know you all individually. But I want to ask this question is, how is your walk with God? Do you have a walk with God? Have you ever asked Jesus into your life? And this morning, I want to ask you that question. And and if you're like, no, I've never, I want to give you an opportunity right now to connect with God. I want to give you an opportunity to have a relationship with God. And the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ and believe in Jesus and that He died on a cross so that we could have a relationship with God. And as you believe, He will come and walk with you. So this morning, while the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you would love me to include you in this prayer, I would just love it if you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Just as I look across. Yep, over to the side. Thanks, mate. Yep, over to the side. Thank you. The two over to the side. Thank you. Anyone else want to join those three? Dear God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross so that we could have an intimate relationship with you. Lord God, I thank you that your heart has moved towards us as a multitude, but more than that, as individuals. And today, Father, you saw the hands go up, but God, today maybe there was hearts that were stirred, that want to know you today. Lord God, today I pray that your spirit will come and rest on their life, that you will seal the relationship with them today. And Lord God, from this day forth, Lord, they'll walk in you, with you, You will come and speak to them through your spirit, through your word. Today, Father, let it be the beginning of a new day for these individuals. That they've found you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give them a hand. That's great.